0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. What's up, everybody? Mike here. And uh, welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It is episode number 22.
2: That's right. It's Kevin Shat-Deuce's Shattenkirk episode. Nobody else here at this point. 816 games, 433 total career points, seven years in St. Louis for 425 career games, Shat Deuce's episode number 22. They just go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, a very, very solid defenseman when he was here, still playing. Uh, I don't know where he's at now. He was in Anaheim, which we talked a little bit about Anaheim with our interview, which we will talk about here in a moment. But uh, I mean, Shattenkirk's guy I always really liked. Um, I think he's kind of a part of that core with like Bacchus and Petrangelo, kind of guys you remember from that era. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Great guy by all accounts, and a good player. And you know, obviously, when he was traded, I think it was probably a move that had to be made at the time. Yeah, uh, just letting go. And and you know, it's kind of the end of the era of you know Backus and Oshi and, and those types. So, uh, but yeah, there's no doubt he's no episode twenty-two's got to be him. And you know, right now, Logan Brown, I believe, verse twenty-two. So, yep. not the highest of hopes in that regard. Um. But, I mean, hey, you never know. Uh, 22 is really an good. interesting hockey number. That's that's an interesting – like, I feel like when we get into the 90s, we're really going to have some interesting – because you have O'Reilly, you have Tarasenko, you have Gretzky. There's a lot of players in the 90s where you can – but on the flip side, like 95, 96, those are going to be weird ones to get. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of interesting players. And I don't know what's going to happen once we get to 100, but I suppose we'll figure that out. Uh, still, you know, over over four quarters to go there. Well, not – Slightly over, but anyway, not not one for math. Um, but before we get into it, uh, this is a, a big episode here, a long one. I will warn to those out there. So if you got to drive like an hour or an hour and a half, this is a good episode to throw on, um, unless you hate the avalanche, which I won't, I, I don't think I hate them. We had some great guys on, but uh, I'll talk about that in a second before we get into it. Thank you to the listeners, of course. Uh, remind to hit that subscribe button. You won't miss a single show. Give us a review if you love what we're doing. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TB and Bob. Be sure to follow our personal accounts. Mine is at Ethan W Mike's is m underscore Meyer three. Chat yeah. with us there. Uh, probably not a ton of hockey talk consistently no. every day right now. It's August still into it's September. A slow the period. Yeah, it's a, and my hockey writers numbers are also saying that it's a slow period. Um, but I wanted to real quick make this intro slightly longer than our normal ones just because we haven't talked a lot about what we've been doing at the hockey writers lately. So I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on any recent articles that you've done and just like, you know, kind of what we're doing over there. Cause you know, we've had a lot of new content coming out every day, despite this being a dead period. So like, you know, recently, what have you been writing about
2: recently? It's actually been a really interesting time. You know, I've been taking a little bit of a look um, back with like the blues history, revisiting the, uh, the Blues trade for Brett Hall, but also taking a look here at this upcoming season and doing some opponent previews. Um, So I've been trying to do about one to two here per week. I just wrapped up the one here actually against the Colorado Avalanche. And so it's been really interesting just looking to try and see um, how the Blues are potentially going to be squaring up here against some of our Central Division opponents. So um, just trying to give the fans a little bit of some insight um, here on this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, and uh, I do want to run this by you. My top six forwards and bottom six forward, just early prediction for that, because I think a lot of Blues fans are thinking about what this lineup could look like, and here's what I came up with for two of my recent articles. Ooh. I think your first line has to be the Buchnevich, thomas terraseko line, because they're going to produce a lot of offense. And then second line, I think it's also obvious. You got to throw Sod and O'Reilly together. That's two vets that kind of play similarly. Uh obviously O'Reilly's gonna give you a lot more defensively. Saad's probably gonna score more. And Kairu is like a perfect little spark plug to have on that line. You know, drive some offense with his speed. I think that top six, I, I think I don't know if you agree, but I think that top six is almost a no-brainer.
2: It makes sense. I, I don't think you really could go with many other options here at this point. I, I think that the blues top six, the team overall is a very, very uh, heavy veteran-laden team. And the the top six is pretty well solidified. You know, there's really no changes other than Peron. There are no other major changes here, like within this top six. Anybody who's really be able to make their way here onto the team or be able to progress is going to have to earn their way here up and maybe able to take some spots here after injuries. Um, yeah, the top six is is like you said, pretty much a no-brainer.
1: And with the Perron departure, your your top nine on paper is automatically weaker just because that ninth player is not. Jordan, Kyrie, or Ivan Barbashev. Um, But with the third line, I did go with Barbashev and Shin. I think that's a given they'll play together. You probably put Shin at center for that. You could switch those two, though. And then I think Jake Neighbors has to get a look. Like, I I know a lot of people are saying, well, could be Clem Costin. I just don't think think you can really justify, unless Clem Costin dominates the preseason, I don't think you can have him on the third line uh, with Barbashev and Shin unless Neighbors is hurt or Neighbors is clearly not ready. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's got to be the case. Then with the fourth line, this is where there's like seven or eight guys. Uh, I went Nathan Walker. I think that's a guy that you want your lineup definitely to start the season. I think Nola Chari, I know a lot of people have said, well, Logan Brown might be the fourth line center. Or they mm-hmm. brought in Achari to be the fourth line center. Like yeah. I don't see any other way. And I didn't say Coston on the right side, fourth line, but the big factor here is Torchenko back in December could be on the third line when he's back, could be on the fourth line, but I mean, I don't know how you view the bottom six there, but you also have the, you know, Logan Brown, Josh Levo, Matthew Highmore, these other veterans that they could throw in there. But just uh, how do you think they're going to do it?
2: It's very, very fluid.
1: Mm. And that's
2: the thing that I think that the Blues are going to really, really love being able to utilize because if they are seeing a little bit preseason,
1: they're going to be huge. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be enormous. That's going to be some of the, the most important part of putting this roster together is going to be camp and preseason and it's all going to be bottom six base. It's all going to be depth defensive based. Mm-hmm. And then do you think they might sign another veteran goaltender for the season? Who knows? Just no. to have a, a guy in front of Hofer just in case. Cause I like, who's their fourth at this point in the organization? Cause you have Bennington, you have Grice Hofer. Who's next? Colton Ellis. Him or is Fitzpatrick still in the organization? I don't even know. But anyway, shifting back, I don't want to go too far off the, off the reserve here.
2: Um, you're already giving the fans a long enough of an episode.
1: Come yeah. On. This is like a four hour episode. Uh, this is a Joe Rogan length episode. This is very long, um, but like just the bottom six, like what would you do right now with the fourth line?
2: I don't think you really could go much different here than like what you list out here. Um, and like I've said, the, the forward or the fourth and the third lines here are going to be very fluid. They're going to have a ton of options and, they're going to benefit really from being able to call guys up and be able to move guys here back and forth between the AHL um, here and the NHL squad here right now. And they'll be able to give these guys plenty of ice time here down in the AHL. But I think what you laid out is exactly what I would end up doing here at this point in time. Um, it's it's going to be a battle between costs and neighbors. And I think they may just err on the side of caution. And just, again, if cost looks like he's ready, they're going to give him one more shot. And with the mm-hmm. one year contract that they signed here, they have to give him a shot here yeah. at this point. They need to see if if they're gonna make the right decision in moving him or not, which is one of the reasons why we may see Jake Neighbor start the season in Springfield.
1: And yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'm kind of done with the uh I, I can't believe we're still talking about Bull Duke being on the roster this season. It's just not gonna no, happen, especially no, no, early. No, 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 no. I saw an article from an unnamed. Uh, I won't. I won't name names with this. With this site, John Doe. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Because um, there are. I'm not going to name names with the website. There's a ton of bad writing going on in Blues World. But hey, different story for a different day. Uh, yeah, I don't. Just Bull Duke. There's no chance. Like I. I guess it's a good article topic to explore to get some clicks. I suppose, but it's just not. It's not going to happen. And uh, speaking of him, I did just write. An untouchable prospects piece, which I always use the word untouchable very loosely because any of these four players that I listed, I listed Neighbors, Bull Duke Snuggerud, and Hofer. People said mm-hmm. Prunovich should be one. I agree he shouldn't be traded. I also don't think he's that much of a prospect anymore, but you could still consider him that because right. he has only played 19 games. But... Mm-hmm. I would have been willing to trade any of those four guys in a Kachuk trade. So that's where the word untouchable is kind of I don't know what other word to use, I think would be my definition there. But uh do you have anything else planned with the hockey riders other than the opponent previews over the next few weeks? Cause I do have a uh, underrated blues going into the season piece. And I'd love to do an overrated one, but I feel like that might be a little too uh too out there. But
2: no, one of my biggest focuses right now, I mean, it's just gonna be the the previews, you know, I want to be able to kind of wrap that up here at this point in time. Um, you know, I do want to be able to touch on um, you know, three players really looking to repeat their 2021-22 season results. Um, you know, it's a working title here at this point, but you know, there's a couple of guys who I think are gonna to need to repeat um if they're gonna to look to either stay in St. Louis or they're looking to look to be able to cash in. Um, looking at you, Ivan Barbashev. Um, so we'll just we'll be able to see you know, where some of these different results here look at, but I think the opponent preview and just previewing down the central division is where my main focus is right now.
1: All right. Uh, with that, let's send it over to the interview. We were joined by Chris and Kyle from the locked on avalanche podcast. A great interview, in my opinion, I think one of our best, uh, really good stuff. Hopefully we can connect with them again Uh, Obviously, Avalanche beat the Blues in the playoffs. Maybe a bit of a sore subject for some, but uh, great interview with those guys. So let's uh, shift it over to them. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time for Episode 23. We'll also see you for the outro. So shift it over to the interview now.
2: All right, Blues fans, so we are going to take some time here this week, and we're going to discuss the Colorado Avalanche. We are joined with the guys here from Locked on Avalanche. Chris Maselli and Kyle Sullivan. Boys, how are we doing this evening? Uh we're good. One day
3: closer to camp. So uh one day closer to camp, one day closer to September, one day closer to uh football Actual season. Dudes. I mean, it's like <laughs> the fall season
0: is ahead of us. This is a good yep. time. Yeah. Yep. Oh awesome. come on, C- Chris. Don't yep. rush through our days with a cup, man. Let's savor <laughs> it just. I a know. Little yeah. Well, I mean, that lasts
3: for you know a full hockey season as well you can't take that away until somebody else is crowned so we're true we can run with that for a little while too
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's (laughs) something we don't really want to, you know, we had our time. We had our time. That's all good. We got our our one. So I'm good here with that. So um, just some, some brief introductions here for you guys. Um, Let's just tell the fans here a little bit here about you. Um, Are you guys from the Colorado uh, area? Where did you guys really kind of get started? You know, just brief introductions here for, you know, for you guys.
3: Uh, no, neither one of us live in Colorado, believe it or not. Um, I, I born and raised in, in the New York area, um, okay. and uh, more upstate more near like the Albany area. Um, and it, for me, I, I've told this story many times on, on, on the lockdown avalanche show, but I was, I still am a Denver Broncos fan. I grew up a Denver Broncos fan. Thanks to John Elway and Tecmo Super Bowl. When I was a kid and I just, you know, that was my team when I played that game. So I became a Broncos fan and I always had like my dad was a big Rangers fan, New York Rangers fan. And um, so that was kind of like my team. And then when Quebec moved to Denver and they became the Avalanche, I was like, well, I'm a Broncos fan. Um, And Avalanche is an awesome name. So uh, I might as well go with that. And then they win the cup in the first season. And then it's really easy to stay a fan after uh, you've, you've newly anointed yourself as a a fan of a team that just won the cup. So, and it's just, you, you you know, just going through the years with them. It's for me, I just feel like it's meant to be They're They're just like, yeah, they're, I I picked the right team. I should say. Yeah.
2: That's fair. Yeah. and It's fair.
0: I grew up in the hockey hotbed of (laughs) Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Um, And I fell in love with the team around the same time Chris did. Like I was around like seven years old and you see those like wah Forsberg and Sackick on TV, like they're like superstars. So I fell in love with the team then. And I've, had to follow the game the best I could through like the Super Nintendo version of NHL Stanley cup and like the EA sports video games. And I would stat track that way and pay attention to every game I possibly could. And the 2001 Stanley cup came around and those were the two teams that I fell in love with New Jersey and uh, Colorado. And that (laughs) just sent my fandom into outer space. And I have followed the avalanche closely ever since then I went through like the NHL TV package year after year. Haven't missed an avalanche game in years. And so, like, I, yeah, I'm now in Northeast Pennsylvania. So nowhere. Okay. I'm, I'm only getting farther from Denver. No,
2: yes. Yeah. And you're, you know, really just in a good, good territory here. You know, kind of a, I'm sure just like a mixture here of, uh, pittsburgh fans and i'm sure some flyers fans here and whatnot and maybe a little bit of like a mixture of them and so i'm sure you coming out here with your avalanche jersey is like who the heck is this guy
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah i i honestly i have two kids and when the avs won the cup we had a stanley cup parade down our street <laughs> that's um, awesome and we have like flyers fans across the street and they're just like hey i'd do the same and they're that's just awesome. waving they
3: had oh, nothing to awesome. root for last year, so they might as well go with the, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the Flyers are never winning a cup again. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get that out there.
3: It's it's gonna be. You have to ask the question: Will it happen in our lifetimes? Uh,
2: no. <laughs> um, anything is possible, but they got a long road ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So. Yep. Well, let's take a quick look back here just to last season here. The Avs were 59-19-7. I mean, like those are some NHL, like some EA sports numbers here. 119 points. Of course, bounce the Blues here in the second round in a 4-2 to series. A very, very impressive regular season. Fourth in the NHL with 3.76 goals for per game. I will say that's one spot behind the Blues. That's my only dig I'm going to be able to make here. 2.83 2.83 goals against average here per game, which was 10th in the NHL, 7th in the league here with a 24.01% power play and 15th in the NHL on the PK at 79.66. Very impressive. Three 30-plus goal scorers in Rantanen, McKinnon, and Landis Four 80-point or more players with, again, Rantanen leading the charge with 92, McKinnon to 88, Kadri 87 and Makar at 86. Let's take a quick look back. Thoughts on last season?
3: Uh, I was good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think any other way to describe it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
3: you know, it was, we said it on our show, you know, going up against Tampa, who was looking for their third in a row, the dynamic of fan bases when you're looking, uh, and the difference of fan bases when you're looking for your third in a row. Uh, compared to your first in twenty plus years, mm-hmm. uh, was so different. And for the Avs, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that they they. It's been twenty one years since they won the cup. Uh, for the Avs, it was more recent with this team and getting out of the second round. That was that's been their their dig on them. And it's it wasn't okay if you get out of the second round. It's it's a success. That that wasn't going to be okay like that that's a plus we can put a plus on this season no it's you gotta you gotta win the whole thing so to get out of that that rut of of not being able to get out of the second round and then go on to win it when it's been expected of you for the past three or four seasons that you mm-hmm. should at least compete for a championship mm-hmm. and the fact that they hadn't sniffed the the final to finally get there I, I think getting there if they hadn't won it you could have been like okay, like that was the next logical step. The next logical step was not getting to the conference finals. It was at least getting to the Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. They got there. And then to win it, um, it was just so many things have been happening to this team with injuries and COVID, which, you know, that creeps right. up on, on right. so many teams. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was just a, a sense of relief uh, because that's what they have been going for for a handful of seasons. And to finally do it, um, yeah, I'll, I'm not going to lie. It, it was emotional. It yeah. wasn't an emotional moment. Yeah. Uh, but very, very well-deserved.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> it was a finally
2: kind of moment. It really <laughs> was. It really was.
0: Yeah. yeah. And honestly, what you want to summarize this season, this past season as an Avalanche fan, it's, it's a culmination of everything the Avalanche have been trying to put together for the past couple seasons right like you mentioned the goal scorers and that that's our top line and for um after that terrible season when they put up that series against Nashville and bounced Calgary the year after this is the team all they had was that top line and you see the addition of like kale mccarr and how he contributes to this team and we just won the stanley cup with Darcy Kemper as the goalie. Like... Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. (laughs) Like, in in the bubble, they had Hutchinson winning games. They were, it was Grubauer, Francos, Like, they were going through goalies. And the Avalanche, the way they put this team together, it wasn't just one of those, like, nice tip of the cap, like, Washington Capital runs. Like, finally, they did it. It's one of those that the Avalanche put this team together in a way that teams are going to start modeling their team after how they're built because it's, it's defense wins championships and this defensive core, you talk about Nathan McKinnon, Miko, Gabe Landeskog, what this defense was able to do, led by Cale McCarr, quietly by Taze, I feel like this is where the NHL is going to be going in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's gonna be hard to find another Kale McCarr. I think uh, we already got his brother impossible.
0: drafted, so yeah. that's <laughs> <that one. laughs> there
1: you go. Um, but you know, this may be a sore subject for Blues fans talking about Nazem Kadri, but uh, he's he's gone now, going to Calgary. Uh, just the opinion of losing him among among Avalanche fans.
3: Uh, it's kind of, believe it or not, it's more split down the middle than you would think. I think the guy who, you know, put up the numbers that he did, like far and away exceeded anything he's ever done before that. Mm -hmm. Um, you would think that most fans would want him back. And I think I should say this, they, they did want him back, but at the right price and at the right term. And I think if, if he was, if he went to Calgary for 7 million, AAV, I think the Avs were in that ballpark. Uh, I don't think they were anywhere near seven years. And I think that was the, the you know, the turning point for them. Um, and because of that, I, as far as Avs fans go, I think I'll say maybe more, there's a higher percentage that obviously are, are w- or would want him back, um, but not at that term. So it's a little bit of like, okay, like I I didn't want to give up that many years, but now you're coming down to production. And what do the abs have uh, to match his production? Uh, That is a big question. And no, the abs, it's a big loss. I I can't Mm -hmm. sit here and spin it in a way like, oh, they'll be okay, And they have these guys who are who could take his place and and they'll be just fine. Sure, they would have loved to have him back, but. Uh, They have this player, this player, this that can match his production. They don't, they honestly don't. So um, there's guys that, you know, you throw the potential word around all the time. Sure. They have that, but nothing that's proven. And for a, a Stanley cup defending team, I'd much rather have somebody that's proven than uh, a guy that, that could potentially break out this year. We don't know that. We genuinely don't know that. So um, no, they're they're not as good on the second line, whoever it may be that takes his spot, whether it's JT Confer or Alex Newhook. Um, and it's like, OK, can they do it? Yeah. Could it be this year? We don't know.
0: Yep. I agree with all that. And especially with what Chris was saying about the term for Nas, um, that's we're seeing the swan song for, hey, former St. Louis Blue Eric Johnson. Um, that contract was an albatross. We call him the condor, but the contract is a sticking issue, especially when it comes to bringing back players like Nas. Um, mm-hmm. that contract—it was a subject conversation. Does Eric Johnson, does he go off into the sunset, uh, walk away and free up six million dollars to help put the team back together? And he decided to come back, which is great. That's fine, but the Avalanche were not about to do that again. They walked away from Darcy Kemper that we mentioned um, mm-hmm. over money and term. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sackett and McFarlane are playing it kind of close to the chest. They know what they want to spend, they know what they need to have going into the trade deadline. So they let Nas walk. It's going to be a tough task, whether it's New Hook or JT Confer. Uh, you're not it's going right out of the gate, you're not going to get that same production. Um, Nas had an admittedly inflated year last year. Um, that's what happens when you play in Colorado. Your numbers look great. Um, but will he find that same success in Calgary? I don't know because that's not the... Yes. <laughs> so like, that is a good deal. <laughs> I, I would like to see if he does like come back down to earth a little bit. Um, I, that's going to be interesting to watch, but asking either JT Comfort or Newhook to do the same is mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit little bit much so instead of trying to fill in the role for nas the avalanche need to figure out what they can do and build on that and not waste so much of the first quarter of the season trying to make another nas
2: yeah yeah and that's fair and honestly you know not to go too far here you know down the rabbit hole it definitely seems like the avalanche are kind of in the same situation here of sorts you know with the the cadre situation really reminded me a lot of um blues fans with david backus you know they mm-hmm. did not want to be able to give him you know they wanted him back they absolutely wanted him back but it was at the right term at the right price you know and, and it was just the money that he wanted the blues were just not willing to, be able to to give up and it was the same thing you know they were totally worried and concerned about here about his production especially the type of player that he is over the course of his career and mm-hmm. said no we're just not willing to be able to do it here at this point so no that makes complete sense so um, you guys mentioned Alex no- Newhook. He and um, both JT Comfer are guys here that I've got pegged just from the outside looking in that could be huge benefit factors now with Kadri gone. You know, of course, you've got like a guy like um, Lekanin that could be able to really be able to step up here in, in a very, very big way. Um, what do you guys see potentially coming from a guy like Newhook? Uh, they, they
3: have grand plans for Alex Newhook. Um, I just feel like it's a little bit premature to expect him to put up some Kadri like numbers this year. Uh, and, and not even nazim Kadri numbers of, of last year, not you know not in the 80 something range, normal nazim Kadri numbers, you know, like 50, 60 range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a little bit premature. I think he, I think he's going to be the guy. Um, he's just, he's just young. He's so young. And when we have guys like, like Kale McCarr and, uh, even Gabe Landeskog and McKinnon who all performed incredibly at that age, I think we're expecting Alex Newhook to do the same. Um, and he's a different guy and he's a different kind of player. And I don't think he's there yet. I think eventually he will be. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like this year going into this year, just gut feeling, unless, Alex Newhook takes a, a giant leap forward. I think it's caught or excuse me. I think it's Confer's job to at least start the season for the the two C. I think it's his to start the season. Right. But we know what we're getting in JT Confer. He's been around long enough for mm-hmm. us to know I'm not expecting Nazem Kadri numbers from him. So yeah, you can put him in that role and he can hold his own. He's he he can do that uh, and just rely on the other two guys on that. Line to really put up the numbers. Um, but down the road, I think it's Alex Newhook's job. I just think he needs more time, he needs more experience in the NHL. And and you know, we always say this in the offseason, anyway. He was healthy scratch during the, the postseason, so mm-hmm. they're not gonna go from him being a healthy scratch into him taking that two C role. Yeah, I, I guess there's always a possibility of that happening, but if if recent events hold true, like there's a reason why they did that. And, you know, we'll see what happens in, in training camp in, in the preseason. But I think that's the way it's going to go right now. It could change. One thing Jared Bednar does is he changes lines all the time, in-game, um, you know, game to game. So, no, I don't think if, if JT Confer starts the season there, he doesn't necessarily – he's not – you know, by the end of October, he
2: could – be down on the third line yeah no, that makes sense yeah
0: and <clears throat> if you look at jt Confers production in the playoffs this is something that avalanche fans can you know get excited about if he continues that same pace in that production um but i agree with chris like it's it will be new hook this year i'm not sure um he had to get sitting down to the ahl to kind of get that nhl mentality at one mm-hmm. point so, yeah, he's very young, talented, but young. So I feel like it. Is, I agree with Chris. It's going to be JT's right out of the gate. Um, and then new hook eventually, if it's this year, if it's next year. But he needs more uh, yeah. conditioning.
3: I'm still checking daily because I just I still feel like Chris McFarlane and Joe Sackick have something up their sleeve. I, I just feel like a trade is coming. I don't know for who, but I feel like something is happening to bring in somebody like they did when they brought in Nazem Kadri to shore up the second line. I feel like something is is still brewing for them to sit, sit pat, stand pat for this long is a little unlike them when they have a glaring need. Uh, so I'm still waiting for something to happen.
2: Well, and we can be able to get into a potential trade here in just a little bit here because I got I I want to to actually build a circle back here to that here myself but all right
1: let's uh let's shift gears to the goaltending where as mentioned earlier Darcy Kemper did in fact win a Stanley Cup uh for the Avalanche last season he goes out to Washington they bring in Alexander Georgiev Uh, you got him and Franz just the uh confidence level going into the season with these two Probably not high, but I
3: gotta ask. A question. Not very. No, for for me, this is where we Kyle and I. This is where like, you know, we almost came to the virtual blows uh, on some <laughs> episodes <laughs> because like, um, I, I'm not, I'm not very confident right now. Obviously, I hope to be proven wrong, and hopefully that changes. Um, living where I live, I'm around a lot of Ranger fans, and we even did a crossover with John Chick, who hosts Locked On Rangers to kind of get like, what what are we, what are we going to have with Georgiev? Mm-hmm. Everybody says the same thing. Everybody says like he has like loads of potential and he just needs to play more. Mm-hmm. Like he, be- being behind Shesterkin, he's not going to, you know, get into a constant flow of, of being the guide going out there game after game. Yeah. Um, and to me like, yeah, okay. That, that is real for, for goalies. It's really for any athlete to get into a flow of a game. Um, I don't know that, that for some reason that doesn't, that doesn't do it for me. I'm like, I need, I need, I need more. I need to see like action. I I don't know. I, I just, I'm not there with him yet. Um, He could, this is like the quintessential in, in in avalanche land. It's like, you know, in Joe, we trust. Is like the mantra. The dude has like the Midas touch. Like every every move he's made, save for one, <clears throat> Carl Soderberg. Anybody? Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> or Carl, Soder- Carl Soderberg version two I should say uh, that, that thing goes so well. But other than that, like you you just have to trust the guy. That's where my mind is right now. I'm not mm-hmm. set on them. Francis, love that guy. Love him. Mm-hmm. Like he he has been a fantastic backup. And there is an argument that there's going to be a, you know, a quarterback controversy in, in training camp between the two of them. You listen to Joe Sakic; He says, not so much. It's going to be Georgiev. Uh, but
2: Francois cool. is going to play. Francois has a career 921 save percentage. He's been great. He's yeah. been
3: great, but that's as a backup. That
2: is as yep. a backup,
3: but there have been moments where he's needed to take over. We've had injured goalie here and there, and he's needed to be the guy, and he's stepped up. So um, I this is a bad thing to say. I have more confidence in him than Georgiev right now. <laughs> so uh, mm, yeah. we'll, we shall see, but I, I am putting my faith in Joe. And if I'm wrong, no problem saying I am wrong and putting my complete faith in him.
1: Yeah.
0: It's two backups. Eventually one of them are going to be a starter which is great. We're not, and it's honestly, (laughs) we're not asking them to do too much. Yeah. Just you, honestly, that defense in front of you, you, you're not having to go out there and Carter Hart your way through the, the season. Like just get out there and block the avalanche are really good at limiting you to at least 20 shots. I mean, Mm -hmm. stop 19. We got the rest. So it doesn't take that much to get a hot hand. If it's Jorgiev, I hope it's Pavel Francos. I've been a Frankie yeah, fan yeah. since for a long time. He's He got the backup job to Grubauer. He went behind Darcy Kemper. I was hoping this was his chance to start. Mm-hmm. And again, he is the bridesmaid, never the bride. But I feel like this could be his chance to take this Avalanche team if he wants it. If he wants to be yeah. a backup forever, this is this is the chance to do it, kid.
3: I think, I think Joe Sakik just had the mindset. Like they, they had that mindset last year, like Kyle said, like the defense is, is great. So if we can just get like a serviceable goalie, I think they went above that getting Darcy Kemper, and then they win the Stanley Cup. So I think Joe Sackett might have the mindset, like we can go down a peg even and, and get a, and get a backup. And and like, I'm not there. I I am just not there. I just feel like if you are defending a Stanley cup, you want the goalie situation, not a question. And it is right now. There's no doubt about it.
2: Hey, and that's the same way, honestly, that it is right now here in, uh, in St. Louis, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, we went out and uh, still maintained our position here with Jordan Bennington. He looked great at the end of of the season and into the playoffs regular season was not so much Whoso here you know he goes out and um totally totally get it you know and then the same thing here just goes um with charlie lindgren or charlie charlie sideburns depending on you know how you want to classify him here as um, and then of course they bring in uh thomas grice mm-hmm. thomas rice <laughs> for whatever I, reason I,
1: I, I, that's a bad yeah. one that's a bad everybody's
0: one. favorite yeah. My poster's over there. of time, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's off camera. I yeah. wanted who's so, I
3: want. I wanted who's uh, I, I really, if they had yeah. gotten him, yeah. I, I we'd be having a different conversation right now, yeah. Absolutely.
2: So I, I can't say I blame you guys. I mean, I would probably rather be in your position here right now of okay, we we have two pretty good backup goaltenders, pretty decent. Let's see what right. happens as opposed to um, we've got this bet that uh, we don't know what we're going to get out of and we have this aging vet that we have no confidence in whatsoever mm. so
1: and then the alternative is a 22 year old who's played two games so oh yeah i don't know i they okay. they're, they're going to have to do something about it and uh, we'll see if they do
2: all right so i got one more question here for you guys at least as far as the offense here goes at least you know the forwards here per se so the Avs won the big ben myers sweepstakes this past season whether or not you classify them as a big sweepstakes i don't know the nhl makes it out to be this whole big deal Mm -hmm. i personally really wanted him to be able to come to st louis i think he just i mean just read as a gritty st louis blues blue collar type player i'm really interested to be able to see here with him um, here, like in the NHL. So he comes in, joins the Avalanche, scores a goal in his first game in the NHL against the Carolina Hurricanes. Has not played much, mm-hmm. not much here at all. So I just wanted to see, do you guys know much about him here at this point? What should fans be able to really know? Do you like what you've seen with him? Not like, you know, let's let's talk Ben Myers here just real fast. Uh, I mean, as far as
3: <clears throat> what you've seen in college, yeah, you love that. Yes. Um for for the Avs, I think he only got in like five games it was yes. right at the end of the season. Yep. Um, was not eligible to play in the postseason, so we knew that wasn't going to happen. So it was a small sample size. And yeah, like that, his goal was, I mean, it wasn't Kale McCarr-like because McCarr's was in the playoffs. Uh, that, that was epic, his first ever goal. Um, but still, like that was a great moment. And it was, I think, I mean, even backing up to when the Avs got him, we weren't hearing a lot about that. Like the abs really wanting, I think they were just in on him because why not? Mm-hmm. You have free reign at him. He he can go right. anywhere he wants to go. Why would you right. not try to do that? Right. And I don't, I don't, I think I was maybe anticipating him staying in Minnesota, going to the wild or somewhere mm-hmm. in that vicinity. Um, and I think this just speaks to what the abs are building. I think that was, uh, he was impressionable when it came to that. So, he could be this guy that that sneaks in there this year and is maybe centering a fourth line for the Abs. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his ceiling is is through the roof. I, I think he. We have all these guys that everybody focuses on, um, and it, his time is just so early right now that not a lot of people are expecting him to do a ton. Uh, but I think he could he could surprise some people. As the season goes on. Don't expect much from him early on because he's, he's green. Like he hasn't, he hasn't done anything yet. But once he just gets comfortable and he knows what his role is, um, I think you're just going to see him improve as the season goes on. And where he can help them is one place that they've really struggled, face-offs. He's mm-hmm. really good at face-offs and the abs have been notorious, notoriously terrible at face-offs. They're going to miss that among other things with Nazem Kadri being gone now. Uh, So I think you'll see a a heavier workload thrown on him if if he can handle it as the season goes on. But um, yeah, he's a guy that you're excited about. got a great motor, plays the
0: 200 foot game, you know, to use that term. Um, And that's what the Avs love in their forwards. Yeah, definitely do not say my Ben Myers looks like a St. Louis blue. Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> you no, know, <laughs> uh, you know, you were very excited to see him come to Colorado. And of course you love to see first game, first goal, like lovely stuff, but mm-hmm. five games is not a big enough sample size. And I'm glad it was just five. Like you, you talked about it. Like he's a gritty, grindy player. You'd hate to see him get lost in the shuffle in the NHL. You need a little bit of AHL. You need to get seasoned. And, you're going to be looking for Ben Myers in training camp. Um, and I want I would love to see him later again, third quarter of the season. I don't want him right out of the gate learning as he goes in the NHL. You see that it doesn't work for everyone. Everyone's mm-hmm. not Kale McCarr. So if he needs some time to get season, because you know, like I agree with Chris, his potential through the roof. You you don't want to waste that because of you saw. He Had a goal in his first game. Let's ride this and see where it goes. Hmm. Give him some time. He's he needs the experience. He and the Colorado Eagles is a great place to learn. There's mm-hmm. a lot of veterans on that team that he can learn from about the NHL game. You don't want to waste that talent. I
1: will say this though. So, no,
0: I think it getting those five games in um
3: is huge. Not just to see, you know, it didn't matter how many points you scored or anything like that. If he didn't play at all, he has all of this time to just be in his own head about what it's like to be on NHL ice. That's out of the way. Now he's -hmm. done it. So now he can go in and focus on, okay, I know what to expect in an NHL game. I don't have to, I'm not going to be a deer in headlights uh, in game one. I've played five games. So I think it was very important for them to, and things were set for them, you know, for, to heading into the playoffs, they could put him out there and just get experience. That's all it was for. And I think you're going to see him, be a little bit more confident and not just be like nervous to get out and play his first game. There's going to be some nerves, there's nerves for everybody, but um, not as much as they would be that if he didn't play at all and he's just wondering what it's like ever since he signed with them. uh, I think it was very imperative for them to do that.
2: So you guys think we could potentially see him starting the season off in the AHL. And would you prefer to see him start off in the AHL? Uh, I,
3: well, I mean, if, if he if he earns the spot, then sure. I want to see how he's performing in, in the preseason. But there's guys, his college, uh, not roommate, teammate in Sampo Ranta. He's a guy that started uh, with <laughs> the halves. I was all excited for and him. And then, you know, he he, same thing, the year prior, his first game was in the playoffs against Vegas. That was his first game ever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, coming into the following season, a lot more was expected of him. He did make the opening roster, stayed there for a few games, went down to AHL, never came back. So we're, we want to see what, what he has to bring for uh, preseason. So there's, there's just a lot of, of names that could be filling in these holes. He just might be an odd man out. So mm-hmm. I don't think it would be against like not that, – that he's not playing well. It's just there's so many – good prospects that they have that are ready to take an opportunity he would be doing it a lot earlier than expected it's possible though it's definitely possible
0: yeah I don't see him living in Loveland for two or three years and you see the the Eagles put out their roster you're like oh yeah Ben Myers I wonder whatever happened to him no Mm -hmm. it's he's down there for a reason he and with the center position the way it is right now with the absence of Nas like we talked about this would be a perfect opportunity to get in there in that training camp and make a name for yourself. If you don't, now you have that little chip on your shoulder, you know that spot's there, work on it. Mm. Like I would like if he starts the season in the AHL, this is not a oh goodness, what is going on with Ben Myers moment? He needs the time. So there's there's no wrong answer with how they handle Ben Myers unless he's sitting at 2C. That's a, <laughs> that's, a that's a that's a huge jump. So <laughs> If he makes the roster as a 4C, that's interesting. I don't know if he rides the entire season that way, but he does need to spend some time in Loveland.
1: Well, a quick aside here. My go-to hotel staying in Colorado is in Loveland, so it's it's a nice place, I will say. There you go. Um, but shifting over to the defensive unit, which we did talk about Eric Johnson earlier, and the question really is just thoughts on this probably being his last, uh, his last hoorah. Uh, 34 years old last year of his contract, $6 million, which is, uh, quite hefty. Yeah. Uh, Just overall thoughts on, on him and that.
3: Uh, you, you throw around the, the whole thing, like, because he won it and he finally won it, would he retire and kind of, you know, sail off into the sunset. Uh, but you know, something I brought up on our show was guys that take this long to finally win a championship. Uh, they, you know, they never experienced it. They've also never experienced defending that championship. Mm-hmm. So first I was like, yeah, you know, you never know, maybe they do, they, they will retire guys like that. And then when he, he said relatively quickly that he was coming back, it wasn't like, Oh, I need a couple of weeks. I think the first time he was asked, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming back. So I think it's because of that. I think he wants to defend a championship, $6 million helps. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't. Like you said, he's only going to be thirty four years old. I mean, he's at the end of the season. I think he might be. It'll be this is his during that year. March. I think he's turning. will be thirty five. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's even done after that. Um, I, maybe in Colorado, he could be done. Um, and then that would be up to him. Like, do I do I want to go play for another franchise? Uh, you know, you could say yes. You could say no, depending on what he's going to bring in money wise. It's not, not going to be anywhere near six million dollars a year so Mm -hmm. uh but no if it is his last year period or if it's his last year in colorado he's he's one of the all-time fan favorites
0: yeah when it came down to on the show when we were talking about the most deserving who gets the cup right after the captain Mm -hmm. eric johnson's name was it was right up there Mm -hmm. um he's become one of those fan favorites where you were cheering for him to put this season together like injury wise, like stay healthy. You want to see him raise the cup, and I mentioned earlier he's a former blue. It's he's Mr. Cup avalanche. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> Mr. Avalanche. He, it's one of those that you go back and look. You're like, oh, I thought he was an Avalanche this whole time. Like that's mm-hmm. he's 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 made that kind of legacy here in Colorado, and when you see how he's reacted carrying the cup and always boosting the team, like there there's not really anything negative you could say about his time in Colorado. He has become Mr. Avalanche and a huge fan favorite. Yeah. No. And
2: that, that makes sense. I mean, everybody in St. Louis always really loved him. Not necessarily like his whole off ice antics and, and whatnot. I mean, but you know, that's a guy who's what at the time he was like 1920, you know, he was super, I super young at that point. And sometimes you just need really to hit the reset button. I mean, not to really go back a long time, but shoot, I mean, it was a long time ago, you know, that Brett Hall needed a reset. Now, yeah. I mean, he was still Good putting point. up all the points, but he needed a reset. You know, was parting way too much and moved to St. Louis. And I mean, he just got that reset. And exactly, blues are the big benefit factors for that. I mean, never getting the cup with him, but you know, that was a huge thing here. So true. Um, Sam Gerard. let's touch oh. base here with him really fast because. I I love Sam Girard. I think he's a fantastic forward. But as we have heard a couple different times here, the salary cap is a huge thing and it will be an even bigger factor here next season. Here with um Landis, not Landis, um, McKinnon's McKinnon. contract here coming up. But now we've also kind of started to see this log jam here on the back end. So could Bowram Byram be a big purpose purpose, uh, just a, a huge benefactor to push a guy like Gerard out and using Gerard as a member and, and a key piece to try and increase and reinforce the the center position. If you there's struggles here in goaltending, built to increase goaltending, Kyle, you are like chomping at the <laughs> bit to go right now. So you'd be able to say here first.
0: <laughs> oh, Mike, See, that's why you're a Blues fan because you said you like Sam Gerard. You'd make yeah. a terrible Avalanche fan. <laughs> oh, come on, you make a great yeah. Avalanche fan. I like what the, I've seen out of him.
2: I don't watch him very much, awesome. so in this the stuff I have the, seen, I like.
0: I, there's nothing like I I love Sammy G and what he brings, but when it comes to the odd man out, when we were trying to bring back Nas, who are we going to trade away to make some cap room? Sammy G. Mm -hmm. You go down that roster, you got to find, I mean, yes, last year was easily his worst year that he's had, but he has (laughs) so much potential. He's, I mean, I love when he's fully healthy and playing Sammy G hockey, I, I love what he does on the ice. So, um, for him to be pushed out, um, there is a loud contingency of the fan base that would love that. And Mm -hmm. to give other players on the, on the avalanche a chance to take that position. But I, I personally love Sammy G and I don't kind of want him to go anywhere. Not
3: going to (laughs) happen. He's not getting traded. And I think from what you heard, um, yeah, they were gonna have to move money around. There was just no way around it if they wanted to keep Nazam Kadri. And the two names that kept going thrown out there were JT Comfort and mm-hmm. Sam Gerard. And I think that was a big reason why they did not sign Nazam Kadri because they're not interested in doing that. They're not I don't know if they were interested in, in trading JT Comfort. Pretty confident they are they were not interested in trading Sam Gerard. They they really love him and they they like his game. He had a down year there's no way around that like he didn't perform all that great he had some moments but i think for the most part this will probably be the worst season that he's ever had um and that's even saying like it wasn't atrocious uh but people were jumping off of the sammy g bandwagon so quick and it didn't make a lot of sense to me why they would do that yeah if you want to say like the guys not playing well, say that to want to get rid of him. All of that, you know, the, the whole trading Sammy G is coming from Twitter and people who do podcasts. I don't think the yeah. people in, in the front office really had any desire to move him. Um, and so like, it's, you know, it's the insatiable need of fans and what have you done for me lately? Because the previous year and I bring this up all the time because you can't forget it in, in, in the year before last, Kale McCarr was injured for a while. Sam Gerrard took over, mm-hmm. took over that, that avalanche defense. He was an alternate captain uh, for a lot of those games. He was, and I remember reading on the score on Yahoo on the score. They, they, at that point in time, they had ranked who was uh, the, the Norris, like the top five. He was number one.
2: Oh man. Like, and, and
3: we just forget all that stuff because yeah. he's playing bad. And then, he, yeah, he had an, an off year. And then what happened in, like, March or early April, he, he has surgery done. Yeah. That ended the re- – you know, he came back in the playoffs and then got hurt in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but w- was he playing injured all? all, trying to, like, force through it? There's a possibility there. I think people were way too quick to want to give up on Sam Gerrard, and that's a stupid thing to do because he's a really good player.
1: Nope, well, I completely agree. Continuing with the defensive unit, just like I guess the floor and ceiling of Makar, and why is it like 80 point floor, 120 point ceiling? I feel like that's probably about right, <laughs> wouldn't you think?
0: Ooh. What do you think, Kyle? You can't honestly say that's out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah. Like it's on the show. Me, Chris, we always when we are talking about Kale McCarr, we reference him as a positionless player. He could be a forward, okay. he could play defense, and he could play both well. You put him in pads, he would be a really good goalie. Mm-hmm. He's our he's our backup goalie to Yorgiev and Pranzos, but like <laughs> Kale
2: McCarr on the two pad stack. And... Oh yeah, yeah
0: easy. <laughs> and what it, what it is? And a point I bring up all the time. You know Kale McCarr. And the level of his talent when it's not compared to his peers, like he's not compared to Roman Yossi, it's always compared to legends of the past and Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. It's you never hear about how he does things like no, it's always comparing them to legendary players because Kale McCarr is generational. He's not just good, he's generational. Right. I'll say this: like last year obviously was
3: his his coming out party and really you know became a household name um let's see what he can follow up with you know n- n- now now people know him <laughs> he's he's not gonna you know coming up and know oh, who's this guy anymore uh now people are are game planning for him so uh how does he respond to that i think you know he's he's gonna get his you know what i mean yeah. he's that talented um i've never seen a guy skate like him Like it's just so effortless, but so powerful. And I keep saying like, I I don't think he has ankles the way that he can get so low on his blades and and not just lose it and just skid out. I don't know how he does it, Um, but he just makes it look so simple. And that's what annoys me because like, it's so difficult for everybody else. Uh, And he just, he, he makes it look like he's been doing it for, you know, since he was like two years old, because he probably has. Right. Uh, he's fun to watch. He's exciting. You know, I say all the time um, I've kind of given up having like, quote unquote, like favorite players, just because like, look, Nazim Kadri, like Kyle, Kyle is a huge Nazim Kadri fan. Uh, people move on. There, there's very little loyalty in sports anymore. So I'm a fan of a team and I root for the players yeah. on the team. Kale um, McCarr is as close to a favorite player as, as I can have because he's so fun to watch. And it's just like, what's he going to do next?
2: He's, he's awesome. That makes sense. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Two really quick. Yes. No's. And I want to be able to just real quick. All right. Do the abs win the central? Yes. Yes. But it's not going to be easy. I just think that. Do the abs win the Stanley cup? Uh, I can only say one word on that, man. Uh,
3: Yes. (laughs) I got it. Like, to be brutally honest, I don't think they do. I don't think they're as good as last year. I think they could make a run for it, but I don't think they do.
2: Okay. So for the sake of time here, really fast. So, Chris, what prevents them?
3: Uh, depth. I don't think they're as deep as they were last year. And the goaltending, it's a huge question mark. If they can get you know a good good goaltending, yep. there's a possibility. And if the depth works out, Sure. There's that, those two things. And those are like, you know, you have to go in your question marks and those are the question marks for the abs. Um, We'll see. I mean, they have, they have superstars. The superstars are going to perform. Are are they enough to carry them all the way through? You need everybody on on a team to do it, not just the superstars.
0: Um, and I think it's going to be a struggle for the abs. Makes sense. Kyle. The West is not the issue. The East will be the issue for anybody in the stanley cup the east is starting to scare me a little bit
2: yeah yeah
0: they're getting real loaded up with talent and i've
2: said for the longest time and it it may be a very very un biased opinion i I don't know what you're able to say the west has always been the gritty grinded out heavy hitting heavy checking kind of league where then you look at the east and it's been very fast in skill and finesse and mm-hmm. it seems like that it's kind of doing a good job of just blending itself back together here at this yeah. point and it seems a lot of skilled players are still heading towards the east but there's still the division of death going straight down the central and it, it almost seems like all roads lead through the central division <laughs> so yeah it'll be I, 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 you
3: know as far as the division goes it's st st louis is going to be right there if you ask me Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think the abs are going to run away with that. And I think it's going to be right up until the final week. Um, And then once you get in the playoffs, you you never know, but it's just so hard to win it once Uh, to win it twice is just that much more difficult. I mean, the abs have it in their back pocket, so they always can say, Hey, we've done it. We can do it again, Mm -hmm. but it's just so difficult to do. And, and if everybody was back, if Kadri was back, I think he's that much of, of a difference maker. If Kadri is back, I probably would be leaning towards yeah, they have as much of a chance to to repeat. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's not there and they haven't really replaced it,
2: I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, be very difficult. There's that personality factor that Kadri also brings, you know, and it was the same thing like when the Blues won the Cup that they had Maroon, you know, there was that in-your-face mm. X factor that he brought that helped the Blues say, okay, yeah, we've got this. Mm-hmm. We've got it. So, and I think, you know, Kadri does the same thing, you know, whether it is, you know, chirping a little bit, whether it's just going hard to the net. And, I mean, not literal to be able to bring up, you know. Oh, man. Between oh, Blues boy. and, and Ass fans. Uh, hey, I still said it, and we've said it here on the podcast, yeah. I think it was a clean play. Yeah, I We thought it was a clean play and there was no hardest
0: support so yeah yeah I can't believe Kelly Rosen did that that was crazy yeah it's kind of <laughs> it's
1: kind of a hard subject to take a stance on from our side yeah. of things but uh, we have gone one way over the other real quick uh yeah. my final thing who else do you view as a major threat in the central division and then I guess look at the other side with the Pacific like who else do you view as a major threat to the Avalanche
3: uh, in the central, uh, we did this the other day. We kind of like went down the central. Um, I, I like what Nashville's done <laughs> doing. Like I think they can surprise some Ooh. people. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, you know. But I, I do. I think it's it's the Abs and the Blues. And then you would think like uh, I think a lot of people just want to throw Minnesota in the third spot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I think the odds are maybe higher than not that they would, but um i don't know i i think i think nashville is a pretty good team and when you have a, a great goalie you're always in it
1: yeah oh and then the
3: pacific uh sorry uh edmonton <laughs> Yeah, pacific is rough man <laughs> uh yeah i think edmonton's the kind of the calgary
1: calgary is one of those teams you really don't know what you're gonna get their top six is really good i think People probably aren't going to talk about how good their top six is. Losing Gaudreau and Kachuk, you have a general manager there in tree living who's got to make these types of moves. That's why you give Cadre seven years to get that deal done. That's why you probably yeah. overpay Huberto. But, I mean, Vegas, oh, too, is another team. I don't know what they're going to be. Oh, either.
3: don't talk. I, I can't stand Vegas. I mean, I Vegas. I stand The way Vegas.
1: that they manage that team is absurd, <laughs> and everybody Horrible. knows that. Yeah, and Calgary,
3: like, yeah, I think Calgary is a good team, but – a lot of new faces there. We don't know if it's going to mesh well together. So we we think that it will. It might take a little while to get going, but yeah, I think Calgary would be fine. Yeah, so Calgary, Edmonton, and then everybody else
0: out of the central. It's going to be Avs and Blues. We're gonna we're gonna hate each other by the end of the year. <laughs> Let's get used to it. Um, but the, yeah, there's going to be kind of a drop off after that. It's going to be Avs Blues, and I don't. I'm not sold on the Wild yet. And I I view Nashville and Minnesota the same way. So, jumble those two, Avs and Blues. Uh, I think that's what's going to be in the Central Pacific. I I was hearing everybody's conversations about the Pacific. I am starting to believe in this Ducks team. Um, I I'm starting oh, to believe oh, that they're gonna be... no 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 don't nope not, <laughs> not him not him not yeah, okay. him That has nothing to do with him. Um, there's a reason Klimberg went over there. They're selling something that people are buying into. They're selling money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I feel like this Ducks team is going to everybody's going to view them as the Ducks and they're going to go in there and break hearts this year. They were doing that a little bit last year and I feel like they could make some noise. I, I've i not sold on Calgary yet because that's that's still a team of a lot of ego with a coach that is born and bred in ego so i don't know how that's going to work um edmonton we know what that team is and nothing has changed mm. so um they expect the same result that's the definition of insanity so edmonton's edmonton calgary i don't know if that team looks the same come trade deadline um look out for the ducks Yeah,
3: no, that's, that's fair I, the question i've been throwing around in the central, does Chicago finish lower than Arizona?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think they could. <laughs> that that Chicago team is going to be
3: historically I, bad. I think. I think they could. I think. I think Arizona just nothing is expected of them. They can sure. go out in a 5000 5, seat arena and just play loose and win some games. Chicago in and, and hard. You play for Chicago, right? you're always under pressure.
1: Yeah, uh, and, I, I think it could happen. Arizona has like a, a bit of a roster where at least there's somewhat hard to play against. Like they have a little bit of sandpaper on the bottom six. They got a Cassian in there they got a bunch of terrible contracts for guys who can't really play anymore, but they could like mm. act like they're hard to play against, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty disastrous at the bottom of the central. I also wonder what Dallas is like. I, yeah, I don't I, I think, can't figure them out. Because Ottinger, Ottinger, is like you're He's really awesome. asking a lot of a goaltender with him. And that's like kind of yeah. what the ducks have been doing with Gibson for a lot of years. And Dallas is probably a team that could finish third. They could probably finish, you know, third to last because nobody's going to be worse than yeah. than Arizona or Chicago. But uh Dallas is is kind of the same team every year.
3: So what do you think? And then the big names with Chicago, uh come trade deadline are gonna be Kane and Taves. Mm-hmm. you guys in the mix for them?
1: I, I got to think that the Rangers are going to make a huge play for Patrick hmm. Kane this season. I got. I, there's got to okay. be somebody that's going to do that. And I feel like they're a, a good team to do that. He's from Buffalo. I know that's not really close to Manhattan, but, you know, general vicinity. He's not going right. to Buffalo, I wouldn't think. But uh, I, I just don't know. want him
2: to go to Edmonton. I, I want it just for Ooh. the chaos that Ooh. it would cause just because are they are they a team
3: getting thrown around
2: they are
3: oh wow they now are vander
0: kane and patrick kane
2: <laughs> on the same line with connor mcdavid
1: <laughs> yeah that would Ooh. yeah nobody yeah. will see
0: that yeah i loved playing nhl 2k6 too <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome
2: okay. guys was. uh i just want to thank you guys here so so much for being able to come on it's great being able to connect here with you both um, again tell the fans you know where can they be able to find you guys um you know twitter you guys have the locked on network you know let's just mm-hmm. um you know share where you guys here are at just one more time
3: uh you follow the show on uh twitter l-o-p-n underscore avalanche um and our our youtube channel as well just search uh locked on avalanche and subscribe to that and kyle has his own twitter handle which is right behind him on that jersey oh it, yeah it, it sure <laughs> is
2: at shaggy von doom that's his Twitter. Shaggy Von Dune. I'm <laughs> staring at that. I'm like, Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't make up that last little bit here of it. it so is. very, very good. Very good. So guys, I'm looking forward here to the regular season. We'll be able to uh to connect up here again before, or after, you know, whenever here throughout the season, just kind of check in on each other and um, you know, if there's some some tough injuries, you know, maybe be able to console one another. <laughs> if, if it's um, the avalanche injuries are going to happen. So yes, yeah, we're yep, used to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, guys, thank you so much here for being able to come on great to be able to connect with you guys. Anytime.
1: All right. Thank you to uh, Chris and Kyle from the lockdown avalanche podcast for joining us. That was great stuff with them, obviously discussing. Yeah. Everything there is to know about, I mean, we got into the entire league there for a little bit at the end. That was uh, fun to talk about. And uh, you know, the hesitancy between uh, whether the avalanche could win it again. One thing that I really like about those guys is that they don't agree on everything. I think that's a a great element to a podcast and uh, I think it shows. So check their stuff out as well. In the description of this episode, there will be links to their Twitter, their podcast and all that stuff. So really good with them Uh, next week, episode 23, Dallas Stars, we have an interview coming for that one. Uh Mike, we will not reveal who it is quite yet, but Nope, secret. We do have one coming. So, the Stars are going to be an interesting team to talk about because like I think our next 3, which is Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, probably the most unpredictable teams out of in the central. You could lump Winnipeg in there.
2: Yeah, I think I think well, you can the- lump Every single one of these these last 4 I think are going to be really interesting um, interviews and seasons from these upcoming teams
1: as much as I like the interview with uh, with Haynes and with Brooke for the Coyotes and Blackhawks those teams are terrible so great <laughs> interviews with them those teams are not good not their fault obviously I thought they did a great job joining us on the podcast but yeah. I will say this as well um, I don't think the unpredictability, the unpredictability in the middle of the central it's at its, at its highest level Be, like you said like The top two, I think it's the Blues and the Avs. I think that's almost universal. The bottom two is Arizona and Chicago. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the rest. It's going to depend on Kaprizov. What's he going to be for Minnesota? It's going to depend on Yossi. Can he keep playing the way that he has, plus Forsberg's deal? It seems like there's a ton of dysfunction. Yeah, that's true. It seems like there's a ton of dysfunction in Winnipeg. And then, uh, obviously, Dallas – the same team every season, so we'll see. But uh, thank you to Chris and Kyle from the Locked On Avalanche podcast for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week with Dallas, episode twenty three. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow the podcast Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow Mike at at
2: M underscore Meyer three.
1: And we'll see you next time, Believe Network Blue Note Podcast, episode twenty three, coming your way next week. We'll talk to you then.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.